us desperately that only we can give him, that no one else can, is simply to love God, love everybody that's not God. And so we have spent the past four weeks kind of diving in this whole idea of what it is to love God, what it is to love people. And when we love people, it shows the world we love God. And we love people despite our likes and our wishes and our wants and our emotions and our feelings. We love because God loves us that way. Um, we love God with all of our heart because if, 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 it, if it comes down to it and you lose everything that's of value, everything on this planet that matters to you, and I'm telling you, I've got, a fr- I've got friends who have who lived this, have lost everything that matters. And all you have is Jesus. Is that going to be enough? That's loving God with all your heart. And loving God with all your soul is about loving God from the depths of who you are, uh, this place where you are truly you, where this place that God created a place in you where only you fit, where only he fits, excuse me, and, and no one else fits there. And so there are people who spend their lives trying to cram things in there, and they just, it just doesn't work. And they're frustrated, and they can't figure out what's going on. It's because you're trying to fit something where only God fits. So we love God from our depths, and, and to love God with all your mind is to trust God and love God despite what you know and what you don't know. And life is filled with uncertainty. And if life were easy, I will quote George Peavy. George Peavy said to me Thursday, had I known how this recovery was going to be, I probably wouldn't have had the surgery. God loves us so much. That, that he wants us to trust him despite what we know and in spite of what we don't know. And sometimes we have to dive into this world of what we don't know to trust the Lord. And that's loving God with all your mind. And so the last thing we're going to talk about here today is, is loving God with all of your strength. Now, that sounds like that's a lot of us, right? It sounds like that's about us. But here's the truth, okay? This is kind of our jumping off point. Loving God with all your strength is not about you it's about what God does through you. And there's a big difference. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you can accomplish. It's not about your gifts. It's not about your talents. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you will do. It's not about pulling yourself from the bootstraps and, and one day standing in front of people and talking about how, how awesome you were. It's about understanding that everything that we do is from God. Everything we do should be for God And loving God with all your strength is allowing God to do things to work through you, period. Allowing God to work through you. And so we're going to go back to the book of Judges, and we're going to talk about one of the most famous people in the Bible. And we don't have time to do his story justice today, so we're going to kind of do this in a flyby. But we're going to talk about this guy named Samson. Samson is one of the most famous people in the Bible. Samson is one of those people that people who don't know anything about the Bible know who Samson is. And the first thing we know about Samson, if you, went to, if you ever went to a vacation Bible school or a Sunday school, is Samson was this really strong guy, and we always say it's because he had long hair. But that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. We say Samson was strong because he had long hair. That makes for a cool story. But that's not exactly the truth. And so we're going to look at Samson's story, and there's two things you need to understand about Samson. Samson is a judge. He lives in this period between the leaders of the time of the Joshua until uh, the king Saul. And so Joshua died, and the leaders of Israel that were with him, his, his, his council, they led the Israelites. As long as they were alive, they followed the Lord, they loved the Lord, they obeyed the Lord. 
And when all that generation died, the people started rebelling. And the book of Judges is a seesaw of rebellion, repentance, deliverance, rebellion, repentance, deliverance, rebellion, repentance, deliverance, rinse, recycle, do again. That's the book of Judges in a nutshell. The last judge of Israel was a man named Samuel. And after Samuel became the period of the king, but before Samuel, just years before Samuel, there was this guy named Samson. He was the 10th judge. And Samson was different of all the other judges. And what, Sam, what set Samson apart were two things. One, he never led an army because he was an army by him to himself. And the other thing was God appointed him, set him apart at birth to deliver the Israelites. So he is different from every other judge, okay? So let's look at his story. We're going to begin Judges chapter 13, and we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 5. This man named Manoah, uh, from the tribe of Dan, and this is where we pick up. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. All right, so she is gets her, you know, her marshmallows. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a child. And there's all kinds of things you can't do. And this is the why. Verse 5, you will become pregnant, give birth to a son. His hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God in Nazarite. And that's the important thing, from birth. He will begin to rescue the Israelites from the Philistines. He will begin to rescue. He will begin. That's an important thing. It doesn't say he will deliver the Israelites. He will begin the deliverance. What happens in Judges in the life of Samson when he begins to deliver the Israelites will not be fulfilled until the life and reign of King David. The Israelites will be a thorn in the side of, Israel, of the Israelites for a hundred plus years from this point forward. But it's Samson who's going to begin the deliverance of these folks. And so Samson is a Nazarite. Now, there are some other Nazarites in the Bible that are really... John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Samuel the prophet was a Nazarite. And so here's the three, here is the Nazarite vow. These are three things that Nazarites can never do. Okay, here it is. First is this. They were not allowed to drink anything alcoholic, all right, which in that culture and time was really difficult, okay? Number two, they were, they were not allowed to come in contact with dead people, so they couldn't touch anyone who was dead. And number three, and this is the one we always associate with, they can never cut their hair. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you, this is kind of a spoiler alert for those that don't remember Samuel Samson's story. He is a spiritual train wreck. And there's only one of these vows he fulfills for most of his life. Only one. Constantly breaks the other two. But there's one part of him that always keeps him connected to God's promise, and that is his hair. He never cuts his hair. So, so we look at Samson, and we think of Samson. We always talk about Samson was the world's first superhero. Well, when I think of superheroes, and, and if you don't remember, I like a good superhero movie. And so when I think of superheroes, I think, of like, you know, here's Captain America, and Captain America became Captain America because they gave him some potion, formula, whatever it was, and he became Captain America. Iron Man has his gadgets, and, and all these heroes, they do it themselves. But here's the deal, and here's why I'm telling you it's not about his hair. Not completely. So Samson does these amazing things in his life. There comes a time where he's attacked by a lion, and he rips the lion apart with his bare hands. That's pretty awesome, by the way. Um, 
there comes this time in his life where he is, because of his own stupidity, has to, to f- uh, fulfill a promise he made. So he goes, grabs a jawbone of a donkey, and kills a thousand Philistines by himself. And so we think of Samson, we go, man, he was like the first superhero. But here's what you need to understand about Samson. And every time he did something, every, every time he did something amazing, superhuman, these are the words you will always see. All these encounters have one thing in common. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. It was never, ever, ever Samson. It was always, always, always the Lord working through him. And and when the Lord stopped working through him, which we will get to that in just a bit, he had no power. So it was always about what the Lord did. And loving God with all your strength is always about what the Lord does through you. It's not about you. So understand this. To love God with all your strength is to acknowledge that your gifts, your talents are not the result of your efforts. In other words, it's not about us. God gifted us to do certain things, and we serve in our sweet spot or we don't. But loving God with all your strength is is to acknowledge that your gifts, your talents, your abilities, the things you accomplish are from God. And if they're from God, then they should be used for His greater glory. If God gives you something, then God wants you to use it for His greater glory. And loving God with all your strength is is using your gifts, allowing God to work through you, and doing what you do for God's greater glory. See, and that's the thing. Despite the mess that Samson was, and he was a mess, you know what he always did? He always allowed the Lord to work through him. He always did. And, and the symbol of that promise was his hair, which we'll get to that. Obviously, Samson and I do not have anything in common, but anyway, that's for another day. So here's the question. How do I know if I'm loving God with all my strength? That's the question. I mean, that's really what we want to know, right? How do I know if that's what I'm doing? If God wants me to love God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength, and I think I have a handle on the heart, soul, mind, I'm trying to figure this strength thing out, how do I know if I'm doing that? So here is the test you take. Ready? Whatever you do, is it about you or is it about him? That's the first thing. Whatever you do in life, whatever it is God's gifted you to do, do you do what you do for you or you do it for him? See, that's, that's where it starts. If it's for you, then it's all about you. If it's for him, then it's all about him. Next part. Will you follow the desire of your heart? Or are you going to follow the desire of God's heart for you? You see, we all have things we like and we love and we want to do, right? We all have our heart's desire, and our, cu- our culture teaches us, follow the desires of your heart. Loving God with all your strength is about following the desires of his heart, not my heart. Maybe the hardest thing to do. Will you rebel against God's plan for your life? Will you surrender to God's plan for your life? Because that's the big thing. You know, we've been talking about kingdom dreams, how we started our time together. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead. Kingdom dreams are about God's dreams for us. 
I have a dream, you have a dream, but God has a dream. And God's dream is the only one that counts, and God's dream is the only one that matters. God's dream for us, that's, that's it. And so am I going to rebel against what God wants me to do, or am I going to do what God wants me to do? See, that's the question. You want to know if you're loving God with all your, your, your strength. Do you live a life of total conviction, or is comfort and compromise more important to you? See, that's how you know. Am I convicted or am I compromised? Am I, am I wishy-washy or am I absolutely confident in whom I serve? So here's Samson. This broken mess. And when I say broken mess, Samson was an alcoholic, a womanizer, um, constantly throwing dead folks around, um, he broke every vow he made except for one. Now, here's the good news. God still used him to do great things, even though he was a mess. So if you ever find yourself going, man, I'm just such a mess. I mean, how could God use someone like me? He used someone like Samson. He used an adulterer and a murderer named David. I mean, God used people who were broken and shattered and just messed their lives up to do great things. And if God can use Samson, he can use you. And that's as honest as, you know, the whole thing people say, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, that we say that sometimes. If God can use a guy like Samson, God can use any one of us to do great things. And so the Philistines realize that Samson is an army, and they don't really understand his deal. They just know every time they go against him, they fail. And they can't take him. The armies can't take him. They, they can't take him. And so they, and so they, they start to study Samson, because that's what you do when you're at war. You study your enemy, and you find their weaknesses. And they discovered Samson was a drunk, and that Samson was a womanizer. And they said, we can use those two things to our advantage. And they went and hired this gal named Delilah, Okay, sounds like a little sweet thing, doesn't it? Delilah. And so they went to Delilah and said, we're going to pay you a bunch of money because we know, and, and we want to find out what makes him so strong. Will you do that for us? So yeah, so, so Samson falls in love with this woman, and somewhere along the way, she starts begging him, you know, I, when the time is right. So, you know, can, can you tell me what makes you so strong? And I always think she's like a southern belle, you know, with her, her big yellow dress on and batting her eyes and, and all this stuff. And I don't know if that's true or not, but how else would this dude have messed up so bad? And so Samson starts telling her these series of stories because Samson liked to mess around with people too. Okay, so, and, but it's really important in what he says. And so as his life unfolds and she says, what makes you so strong? Here's the first thing he says. He says, if you tie me with seven new bowstrings, and that number seven is real important. He didn't just pull that number out of, you know, out of thin air. If you tie me with seven new bowstrings, I'll be as weak as anybody else. Now, I'm just telling you right now, that is, no, that is the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard. But she does it. She ties him up. Philistines attack. He gets up, and the Bible says that when he rips them off, they, it's like they literally burn off of his body. Now, at this point in time, Samson needs to realize the love of his life just tied him up and was going to subdue him. But no, he's just so dumb that he doesn't even realize that. 
And so he just goes on about his business, right? And so, but he lied to her. So then, he says, now, now look, don't stop messing with me. Just, just tell me. You can tell me. I'm not going to tell anybody. That should be his first clue, right? Except for the bad guy. So then he says, if I'm tied with, with new ropes, new ropes, just brand spanking new ropes, tie me up, I'm, I'm as weak as anybody. So she does. Philistines attack. He defends. And he is dumb as dirt. Because he just keeps on doing this. He just, you know, the, the, the judges, the Israelites, you know, re- rebel, God delivers, they repent, you know, all these things. I mean, Samson is the living epitome of the book of Judges. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over. And so here's where he starts to get really close to the truth. The third thing he says, he says, his hair, and, and this is the important thing, his hair was woven in seven braids, hence the number seven. So Samson started this whole tale in a really dangerous place. So if you, you take my hair since seven braids and and, I mean, not my hair, his hair, you got it right. And so, if you put them all together as one, I'll be as weak as anybody. And she believes him. Ties him up. Philistines attack. He defends. This is why I think she's a southern belle, because she cries and cries and cries. And he just finally tells the truth. But here's what you need to understand. What Samson should have said was, that ain't none of your business. That's between me and the Lord. I made a vow to the Lord, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I've kind of messed up most of it, but there's this one part I've always kept, and it's none of your business. That's what he should have said to her. And honestly, when she started asking, he should have said, I think I need to reevaluate our our relationship. Because why do you want to know this? But what he did was he started a compromise and a free fall. And he was destined to fail. Because he went straight to the source of his vow to God right off the get-go. And just worked his way there. When it was clear that she told the truth. Verse 17. Samson shared his secret. My hair has never been cut. He confessed for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me I would be as weak as anyone else. And so here's the deal. He goes to sleep. She shaves his head. Now let's stop and think about this for a second. They didn't have clippers. This was not a fast process. You know, there's no, there's none of that going on, right? I mean, that's how I used to do it. How in the world did she... Was he in such a deep sleep that she could shave his head? The answer is really simple, because he was stone cold drunk. Three things Samson was told by his parents to never do. God picked you, God chose you, God gave you to us. There are three things you can never do in your life. Number one, you need to stay away from alcohol. Number two, you need to stay away from dead people. Number three, don't ever cut your hair no matter what. Don't cut your hair. And he just compromised and compromised and compromised until finally the last thing holding him, his last conviction in life, his hair, 
He shaved it. He didn't become weak because he shaved his head, because he lost his hair. He became weak because he broke his vow to God. It wasn't about his hair. It was about the vow he made to the Lord. And so she shaved his head. He woke up. He's tied up. Philistines are coming. He says, I got this. I, I got this. I, I don't have this. And he is tortured. Body mutilated. Eyes are poked out. And he's thrown into a prison cell. Now the Bible tells us his hair started to grow back, which is important. Because that's about the vow, not about the hair. But here's the saddest thing in the Bible. And I think if we're not careful, we could find ourselves where Samson was. Samson woke up, said, I'm just going to do this again. Verse 20 of Judges 16. I think these are saddest words in the Bible, honestly. He didn't realize the Lord had left him. Samson woke up, rinse, cycle, repeat, that whole deal, right? And the Lord had left him, and he had no clue. And I think one of the worst things that we can do is to find ourselves in a place where we're so spiritually disconnected from God that the Lord might have left us, and we don't have no idea that he's left. Here's a man who was chosen by the Lord from birth, set apart to begin the deliverance of the Philistines, something that would take hundreds of years. But you're going to start this thing going. All I ask of you is three things. That's it. Three things. And he couldn't do any of them. And when he finally took the last shred of his vow to God away, the Lord left him. But you know, when the Lord leaves, he never is far away. And the Lord was always with Samson. He just didn't realize he was. And so Samson finds himself in Judges chapter 16 at the end of his life. He knows his life is over. In verse 28, he's taken to the center of the temple, the temple of Dagon. That's their God, the God of the Philistines, and that's a whole, that's a whole different, that's a depraved, that's a mess. Anyway, and they put him in the center because the way they built these temples uh, back in the day is they would, the center pillars held the whole structure together. Okay, it's pretty, if you study ancient architecture, it's pretty amazing that everything stood up. Um, and that they built stuff without modern equipment. So he's asked to be put in the center, and he puts in the, he's put in the center, and he says this. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Remember, remember me again. He's calling out to God, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. In other words, Samson realized that he had these amazing gifts God gave him, and he squandered them. At the end of his life, he realized God had gifted him to do some amazing things, and he started thinking it was all about him. He forgot it was all about the Lord. And he squandered what the Lord had given him. When he realized he had squandered what the Lord had given him, he realized it was never about him. It was always about the Lord, and it was always about this promise he made. And so he remembered everything I've ever done in my life was the Lord working through me. 
And when I stopped remembering that, I failed. Verse 29. Samson put his hands on the two pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. And he killed a lot of folks in his lifetime. Sometimes we find ourselves in a mess because we think we've been doing it all by ourselves. And when you hit the bottom is when most people realize, you know what? It was always the Lord working in me. It was always the Lord guiding me. It was always the Lord doing with me, through me, for me. It took Samson to literally give his life to figure that out. What's it going to take for us? To understand that loving God with all our strength is not about what we do. It's about what the Lord does through us. It's not about what we accomplish. It's about what he accomplishes through us. And here's what I want you to know. Wherever you are, working, retired, teacher, wherever you are, whatever you do, rec department, wherever you go, the Lord wants to do great things for you if we'll just let him. And when you and when you allow the Lord to do great things through us, Man, we can be stronger than we could ever know. One of my favorite, favorite stories, I'm sure you've heard it before, it's about a little boy, he's playing in his sandbox, and he's out, and, you know, little boys, they get the tractors and stuff, and he's just having a, a good old time out there, right? But there's these big rocks in his sandbox, and, he, and he's trying to build himself a little road, and, and the rocks are in the way. And so he starts trying to move the rocks out, but they're too heavy for him. You know, his dad's watching the whole thing from the side, from over here. And the boy's just trying so hard, and he can't move the rocks, and he can't do what he wants to do. And he finally, he just stops and starts to cry. It's frustrating. Man, it's tough when you can't do what you want to do. So his dad walked out to him. He said, son, what's wrong? He said, dad, I, I, I just want to play, but the rocks are too big. I just can't move them. And he said, well, son, you didn't use all your strength. And he said, no, Dad, I did. I tried. I tried. I tried. I picked them. They're just too tough. I can't do it by myself. He said, no, no, son. You didn't use all your strength because you didn't ask me to help you. And so together, he went, and the little boy helped his dad pick up the big rocks and throw them out of the sandbox, which is exactly what the Lord does for us all the time. Loving God with all your strength is about leaning into him Trusting him, allowing him to do great things through us. That's it. That's the secret. Understanding that the, God, the gifts that God's given you to do, uh, whatever it is you, you do, however and whatever, it's not you. It's not me. It's the Lord working through us. Kingdom dreams come true because the Lord works through us, not because we work through him. We don't use him. He uses us. That's how it works. To fulfill his greater glory. And if God has gifted you, the least that we can do for the one who gave the most to us is to do everything we do for him. To make everything we do about him and not about us. So when it's all said and done, th the one thing God wants from you that he can only get from you is to love God and love everybody who's not God. Father, we are, um, sometimes we just make such a mess of things, and, and sometimes we, 
we just we start thinking that we're pretty tough stuff. You know, we just look at what we've done and we look at what we've accomplished and we look at what we want to do and we, we make our plans and we look back on our life and it's easy for us to go, man, look, look at all the things I accomplished. The truth is, whether we realize it or not, gifting comes from you. Talent comes from you. Drive comes from you. Endurance comes from you. Overcoming comes from you. And if we're really going to love you with all of our strength, we just have to figure out it's not about us. It never was and never will be. But it always, always will be about you. So Lord, help us to lean into you and allow you to do the things through us that you want to accomplish. That's our prayer, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of decision right now. If you want to uh, stand up and if you need to take your next step of faith, whatever that is, if you need.